Hey everyone, I'm your host Tom Shaughnessy and welcome back to Chain Reaction, a research-driven podcast that's a part of Delphi Digital. If you're not on Delphi's research portal, you're missing out on the critical analysis read by the top minds in the crypto space, so be sure to check it out. One quick housekeeping item, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. I may personally hold tokens mentioned on the podcast and you can view our show notes below for our complete disclosures. With that, let's jump into the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Delphi podcast. I'm your host, Tom Shaughnessy, the Chain Reaction segment. Today, I have on Colin and ZX of Filecoin. Both are community members. Colin is an ecosystem lead. ZX leads a lot of, leads a lot of the crypto economics there. Uh, we recently had Colin on for a, a great overview and dive into Filecoin. Today, we're going to focus specifically on the token econ. I find it fascinating and really interesting. Uh, Colin and ZX, how's it going? Great. Yeah. Guys, Thanks it's great for having to, us back uh, on, Tom. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you guys. So, I guess Colin, kind of a lob for you because we kind of all did this. But what's the uh, the quick elevator pitch on Filecoin for those that missed our last pod? Sure. So, uh, Filecoin is a network for decentralized storage. You can think of Filecoin as a completely global open market where anyone in the world, from an individual like myself uh, in my apartment to a really large data center, can become a data storage provider and compete with the large cloud storage companies. So. That's um, kind of a, a completely global network. And as a whole, Filecoin has the reliability, the st- geographic distribution, the scale, the diversity of storage solutions to compete in the, the growing cloud storage and CDN markets. And so similar to Airbnb, where it was previously impossible for an individual homeowner to compete with a large chain like Marriott, the platform allows small businesses, data centers to plug in and complete compete as a global network and really change the paradigm of what it takes to be a cloud storage provider in today's world. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot to bite off, but it could be super interesting. I'll point people in the show notes to our last pod if people need to catch up. But let's dive right in, guys. At a, at a high level, you know, really basic, what is the FIL or the Filecoin token used for right now within the network? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so any any interaction. So Filecoin is a utility token for the network. So any interaction uh, with the network requires usage of the Filecoin. So like um, any every transaction will burn a small amount of Filecoin. And um, and for providing storage supply to the network, you need some token for um, for pledging. And then when you consume storage from the network, you pay um, for the storage in Filecoin. Um, there's also also other thing that you can use Filecoin for within the protocol. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's a utility token there. And I guess the minting model is pretty interesting with Filecoin, right? Like you have a unique kind of minting model where you reward, you reward storage providers and you have two ways of doing that. You have simple minting and then you have baseline minting. Can you kind of walk us through what each of those are and, and how you reward actual storage providers on the network? 
Yeah, so I'll introduce the concept and ZX go into detail. So we really wanted to bake in some fundamental incentives into the protocol to reward the right behaviors. Like Falcon's up to a great start, right? Um, we launched about a month ago. Since then, we crossed the one exabyte hurdle of total storage on the network that's grown 60% in the first month, but we're very much in the first out of the first inning. And where we think Filecoin will evolve to is to be completely transformative for the cloud storage uh, industry and for the decentralized internet, right? But in order to do that, we need to construct a whole bunch of incentives into the protocol and into the code itself um, to incent the right behaviors. Now, when it comes to minting, what um, you know, the community has has done is implement a system where only if the Filecoin network as a whole reaches certain targets that can be competitive with the large cloud storage providers, only then will, you know, more tokens be minted and, and uh, be accepted into, um, you know, as incentives for miners in the network. And if the network remains, you know, more modest and smaller, then the circulating supply and the minting schedule would be a lot smaller. Right. So that's kind of the principle of it all. And, and ZX can dive into some of the details. Yeah, um, definitely. So like for um, the simple minting, it's so most like traditional blockchain project follow a similar Bitcoin family style exponential decay. Um, that's why we refer to like that whole arm. We call that uh, simple minting. It's, sim uh, it's simply just based on time elapsed in the network. And then we just mint accordingly. There are a few problems with that. Like most notably is when a network is the least mature at its very beginning, um, the minting tends to be the fastest and that's where the participant, participation is the lowest. And the utility of the network is also um, the lowest as well in its, in, in its network trajectory. And also that creates some very short-term incentive for people to like over-invest in hardware instead of investing in what is really useful uh, to the network and to the, and to the mission of the network. And that's why we see some of this very high sealing throughput. That's that's some of the short-term incentive that the simple minting itself will create. And, Falk, and there's this yes, there's this other principle where we want to match, uh, as Colin mentioned just now, we want to sort of associate minting with the utility of the network. And this is where baseline comes into the picture, where we define, where the community defines uh, sort of a baseline or a goal that the network uh, that the network tries to collectively achieve. And then we work toward, and we work together towards their goal, and that will give us another notion of how much the network has progressed in achieving its KPI. And we, through that, we define a notion of like uh, a baseline, a notion called a network time, and then we use that notion to mint accordingly. And and in the end, we throw in a combination of uh, both of these because simple minting provides the benefit of like counter pressure to shocks, and like if let's say um, not as many miners show up, the remaining miner will still be uh, will un earn a greater profit and so on and so forth that creates uh, some kind of anti-fragility to the network at the same time they, uh, the majority of the reward is in baseline where the community as a whole works collectively to achieve a common goal got it so like at a at a very basic level the one segment you have for minting has 30 percent of the rewards and that's simple minting and then the rest the 70 percent is in baseline right so the 30 percent for um, simple minting, you know, just think simple 30% here, that is the same no matter how many storage providers are on the network? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then the 70%, the baseline minting, what you're saying is those rewards vary depending on how much storage is on the network. How do you, what is the baseline though? Is the baseline like an amount of storage and, and how does that grow? Because I guess the key here is that you're using that 70% baseline minting 
to incentivize growth in network because people aren't getting those rewards unless your baseline storage amount is reached. How, what is that baseline and what does that grow at? Yeah, so we start from like 2.5 exabyte and then we're growing 100% annually every year. And that so the, the idea there is like we start from a small, relatively small percentage of today's uh, world's total data and then we grow at a much uh, at a faster rate than how much how fast data is growing in the world today. And then in the future, community can come together and say, oh, that growth rate may be too fast and we can slow it down as we become, as we, as Filecoin stores a greater percentage of the world's uh, data. Yeah. So basically, in at the end of year one, the baseline to, to get the full 70% is five exabytes. After that, in year two, it, it'll be 10. After that, in year three, it'll be 20. So you can see if, if you unlock the full amount, this becomes an absolute rocket ship and very competitive capacity-wise with some of the large cloud storage providers. Now, today, um, we're below that that per, that threshold, right? Um, so we're not at two and a half or, or five exabytes just yet, which means that all of those 70% tokens, uh, a fractional amount of those are withheld by the network. And so, you know, when the network catches up to those things, then it then it releases it. And so it also buys the network quite a bit of time, I think, to be able to have a whole bunch of other things catch up by by kind of withholding those tokens until we see you know the scale and usability that we require. Yeah, it's pretty cool that you guys have the dual structure here because the 30% of rewards kind of ensures that that storage providers actually can earn something, but the 70% dynamic amount kind of ensures that you're not over-rewarding if there's not enough storage on the network. Colin, to your point there, let's say you're not at that that network level where, um, let's say you're not at that baseline for any given year and you guys are holding back some of the rewards. Are those rewards paid later? Are they put into some kind of pool? What happens there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so it's so first of all, it's not us holding anything. So like mm-hmm. it's the protocol um, having it inside its balance. <laughs> of course. And uh, it's also, it's not action of like anyone in some way, it's the collective action of the community. And that is the beauty of it, right? The community decides how fast, how slow the maintain will become. And uh, when let's say some parts of the, so the question was, um, so what happened to the early reward that was not paid? What do we do with that, right? The, the algorithm is basically we spread, we spoon out and spread these rewards to the, towards the future. Um, and then as the network ramps up in its capacity and more of that reward will be minted uh, in the future. Got it. That's that's pretty cool. And how does this work on the the flip side here? Let's say you guys attract way too much storage, way over that baseline. People are clearly getting the full seventy percent rewards for the baseline. They're obviously getting thirty percent for the the simple minting. Are these you know? Is it just will people turn off their storage because you're beyond kind of the baseline, or, or how does that work? Um, not not necessarily. Like just like in the case of Bitcoin, right? Like. In some ways, only simple. You're always above the baseline. The baseline is zero. People are not going to stop because the baseline is zero. People will still, because uh, for for an individual storage operator, you're thinking about what is your share of the block reward. Sure, the pie is growing, but I also want to get a bigger share of the pie. So like the and and I, the goal of the incentive is to how do we create forces such that everybody has the incentive to work together to make the network more successful. Yeah, yeah, so that's, it, that's it has this cool. dual incentive where miners have to both collaborate and compete. They have to collaborate in order to get as close to the baseline as possible, but they have to compete in order to get their fractional share of the pie and maximize their own return. So it's got that dual structure. That's awesome. And how fast do these, the, the 70% bucket, how fast do those rewards tick up or down? Like, let's say we're like, 
you know, 10% from the baseline storage capacity that the network's supposed to have in any given year. And let's say, you know, somebody new comes online and they fill that storage and you're, now you're at your baseline. How fast do the network rewards tick up? Is this in real time? Got it. So this is this happens in real time. And um, so there, now we have to go into the detail of how some of these things uh, works. So um, power gets added to the network every day and some power might get dropped every day, but that would, they would incur a penalty because that's what the network doesn't want to incentivize. Uh, so that happens all the time and every day. And, and also it's not that you can just add power magically all of a sudden, right? There's a process of adding power and that takes time. And, and just like I mentioned, there's this notion of a baseline, which is, which actually it's in the unit of space time. There's basically an integral function under the hood to actually smooth out some of these changes. Um, but without going too deep into the details, um, so people will add power and then like, and that would increase the total power on the network as an approximation of the network's utility and there's a mapping to say, okay, so how much progress have you achieved and how much time has elapsed in the network? So that's why we call it a network time. And then from there, we uh, the network runs an, runs an operation to compute how much will be minted at a particular given moment. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's great that it's dynamic. And I guess just to round out this conversation, the rewards for storage providers um, or, or other nodes on the network how are rewards given to these people and, and are they locked? I guess for the various stakeholders. Right, go ahead. Yeah, so um, of course, a core principle in this whole design is that we only want participants that are here for the long term. Uh, with other networks, you know, it make make a lot of sense for folks to participate for three months and then go away. With Filecoin, that, that doesn't make any sense. Think of the Airbnb analogy as, a, as an operator, you need to provide great services in order to compete in the Airbnb marketplace over a long period of time. And if your apartment gets deprecated, you're gonna need to invest in improvements and, and great service, et cetera, right? So we wanna align everyone for the long term. The, the reward structure um, for miners, uh, they basically get 25% of their block rewards um, vested after they earn it on a, you know, on a block by block, block basis, but 70% of that vests over six months. And hence, you know, we continue to incent these miners to have like long-term behavior and, and invest in the network for the long term. That's awesome. Also, oh, sorry, Zach, in, go for it. Yeah, and you mentioned stakeholders. I also want to highlight, right? Like sometimes we, we talk a lot about miner because I think for blockchain, that's uh, the very dominant group. But like Falcon is a marketplace. It's a platform economy enabled by blockchain technology. So there are other stakeholder groups on the network. And the incentive design is to basically take um, everyone's interests, both short-term, medium-term, and long-term into account. And how do we align that with the goal of the network? And I just want to highlight there, I think we forgot to mention just now, like what are the stakeholder groups? So we have the number one stakeholder group is actually storage clients, right? Because that's what the network is trying to serve. We're trying to create useful storage-related goods and services uh, such that people can use it. So storage client is our number one. And then we have uh, miners. And then we have like um, developers who are building um, solution, building experiences on the network to make the network more attractive for storage clients. And they're working with miners pretty closely. And then we have token holders who are facilitating transactions and liquidity to put capital into production and put it to work. And then we also have ecosystem partners that would um, foster the growth of the ecosystem. And like lots of this design, it's actually having all these parties in mind, how can we make everybody work together 
um, to achieve a common goal. And everybody would benefit yeah. from doing that. Yeah. And so that long-term orientation applies to many of those stakeholders. Um, you know, the foundation, their tokens best over six years linearly. Uh, Protocol Labs, same thing. Um, for investors, they have various vesting schedules from six months to three years. Although the majority of investor tokens are in the three-year buckets, they take a very long-term view. Ecosystem partners, um, if they get a grant or something like that, those vest over six years. And so all of these mechanisms don't just apply to miners to orient them for the long term. It's all those different stakeholders. That's awesome, guys. So just to round out, I want to go on to the, the amount that you have to pledge to be a miner. But just to round out this discussion on rewards for the listeners and myself, you guys have just to just round out, you guys have two reward methods. One is the simple minting. So 30% goes to the network to support it. The 70% is dynamic and it's based on basically a storage capacity. And that aligns, you know, obviously the storage growth network long-term. So you're not over-rewarding kind of now. Um, and then the other thing is that those rewards are locked for, for several months uh, to kind of incentivize good behavior. Is that a good summation? Yes. I want to add one more thing. So it's not just the capacity. It's um, So we have two notions of like power and and we have heard of a Filecoin Plus program where we actually put power into hands of storage clients and motivate the community to do business development to bring demand onto the network. And some part of that is being subsidized by the block reward as well. That's yeah, awesome. So we can that's, talk about that in, in detail yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And guys, let's go on to I'm fascinated by the storage, kind of the miners and their dynamic here, right? So they have to pledge a certain amount of Filecoin's token or FIL to become a storage provider, right? This is really interesting kind of from a token econ perspective because you have the, you know, those providing capacity aligned with the network because they have to obviously stake Filecoin. It's kind of hard to figure out, I think, from the outside, like what exactly that pledge is, right? Because again, there's two components of this, like just like in the reward, you have the initial storage pledge and a consensus pledge. How do you think through these at a high level? Like what exactly, how much are people actually pledging? What's the total goal of how much Filecoin should be staked by providers, I guess, at a high level? Yeah, so um, so there are many constraints here about, about pledge, but the fundamental goal is for consensus security and storage safety. And and how we think about how much to pledge is it's actually, um, so it's, it might be a new concept for folks, but if you think of it as the mindset of like, um, a host coming to Airbnb is a decentralized Airbnb. Um, so there, we need to put down some deposit to make sure that you're aligned with the platform. And then there's something to penalize if you do something um, rogue. And, and then the next question is, how do we do this pricing? And from my point of view, like pledge itself in Filecoin is not unreasonable in a sense that we are, so when a miner adds a sector to the network, there's a minimum duration and there's a maximum duration. So you have to add at least for six months. And then the, the initial storage pledge is basically doing a projection of, okay, how much, given, given how fast the network is growing, which is your, how much your share is decreasing, and given how fast the reward is changing, increasing or decreasing, what is the projected share of reward earning in the next 20 days? And then you put that into the initial storage pledge. And there is like a fraction of uh, supply that we need to put in for your initial, con uh, initial consensus pledge. And then, um, then you add a sector for at least uh, 180 days, which in theory you will make back the initial pledge because that because we do the projection for 20 days, which is a much shorter period of time. And and from a designer perspective, we try to make this pledge as low as possible at the same time without sacrificing security or or incentive. And then the de decision is then up to the miner to decide 
what, what, what kind of strategy profile would make sense for them. There may not be an optimal solution because it's an economy. So different people have different profiles, but there is some kind of solution that will work for miners. And, um, and then at the end of the six months or, uh, or a year and a half, at, if the promise is fulfilled to the network, miners get back that initial pledge. Like, so they're only incurring a capital cost on the initial pledge per se. Got it. So I guess just to summarize, the miners have to put up two different pledges. The first one is they put up kind of an estimate of the 20 days worth of block rewards that they're going to get. And then the second pledge, they have to give kind of, I guess you guys are targeting 30% of the network stake. So they kind of give their pro rata amount Filecoin, they stake that as a portion? Yes, yes. Got it. So net, you guys are targeting 30% of the circulating supply locked up on the consensus pledge. But in reality, it'll probably be more than that as miners compete to put more on. And also when once you're adding in kind of the initial storage pledge as well to that. Uh, so we need to, we need, there's a few like um, details there. So it's uh, a prorata by what, right? Prorata is by the network baseline. So it's like in the event that we hit the baseline, we are targeting uh, 30% of the circuit supply lock in initial pledge, but that is not a hard bound. So everybody get prorata a small fraction of that um, as the storage of the network. Got it. Okay, cool, cool. And yeah. I guess one of the interesting questions here is you guys just went live, right? So circulating supply is kind of thin. Um, there is a bunch of supply coming online over the next you know, couple of months, years. Is there enough Filecoin circulating today for miners to pledge to reach that baseline that you guys have to ensure that they're then getting the maximum amount of rewards based on your dynamic rewards? Um, yeah. So in terms of like whether there's supply available, I think uh, yes. And supply is also increasing over time. So there's enough tokens for pledge for miners to pledge to reach the baseline over time. Like baseline is not going to reach all. in a day as well. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Is there like, how's that dynamic playing out now? Like, is it, is it pretty hard for storage miners to get the file coin they need? Or are most of these providers like, you know, are most of the storage providers actually people that, you know, took part in Filecoin's raise and they already have Filecoin? I wasn't sure like the dynamic of, you know, Hey, I have a lot of storage capacity. How do I go actually get the file coin I need to make these initial pledges? So there are many ways for participants to acquire Filecoin token for pledge, and uh, we are, we also we also saw a like, lending market uh, popping up, and also can acquire from uh, different markets. Um, but what I do like, I don't exactly know what the exact breakdown because it's it's a population, right? Like it's like any economy. But what we do observe is the the we uh, the chain is onboarding capacity at a very fast rate. So it's right now we see like the base fees, uh, which is like gas prices in Filecoin is pretty high. That means that uh, people do have access to Filecoin, they're adding 16 petabyte in a day to add storage onto the Filecoin network. So I wouldn't think that would be a concern that people don't have access to Filecoin to add storage. Yeah, and just to add to that. Yeah, so just to add to that. So, you know, of course, you know, people are actively burning Filecoin to get their storage onto the network. So that's an interesting fact that, you know, there's more access to that. But, um, you know, since we just launched about a month ago, a whole bunch of different kind of solutions are coming to the marketplace to eliminate friction between capital providers and miners that have operational expertise, right? And so, you know, on day one, there was no real lending market. There was no real way for an investor to necessarily 
get their tokens directly in the hands of a miner other than selling, you know, and then a miner buying. But now a whole bunch of these solutions are popping up. There's wrapped Filecoin that's um, in experimentation. It's going to be launched in a couple of weeks. There are lending marketplace using Ethereum smart contracts where, uh, you know, investors could, um, you know, lend some of their Filecoin to miners. There are other lending services like Huobi's HFIL, uh, Coinlist as a platform, uh, you know, um, Anchorage and others are starting to build platforms. Codify is building this network, this marketplace. Dharma Capital has actually, you know, started lending Filecoin, et cetera. So, you know, as the network goes on and more and more developers create like interesting solutions to eliminate frictions, then all of that will make it a lot easier to for miners to get access. Yeah, that's that's great to hear, guys. Yeah, I was always wondering whether or not there was enough supply to actually reach that baseline, but it sounds like there is and they're they're kind of getting there. And I guess just from a like a storage perspective, uh, I guess two questions here. How long does it take for a miner to add all of their storage to the network. I read a lot about kind of ceiling speeds and things like that. How long does that take? Got it. So it really depends on the setup, right? As I said, like it's um, it's always a combination of strategy. There's no one optimal solution. It's always a trade-off, right? Like uh, for a miner that is starting up, it may take them some time to get to a reasonable side depending on their initial capital investment. And, uh, and it could be bounded by many things, right? Like uh, and but if you talk about uh, miners in China right now, that's ceiling throughput is not really a bottleneck for them. Bottleneck could be like how much the chain can take in a day, right? Like that's why we see people burning Filecoin to post a transaction onto the network, and and sometimes it could be access to capital like pledge and so on. And there are just many uh, factors, and it's not really like a one single limiting factor that limit uh, uh, that limit the miner population as a whole. And and the other thing to think about is obviously, you know, uh, Ethereum went through a number of upgrades, you know, from when they launched many, many years ago. Filecoin's already going through those upgrades, right? You can look at our our FIP, our Filecoin improvement proposals that are live today. Um, There are some major proofs upgrades planned in 2021 and 2022 that are already designed uh, that will increase the throughput lower the cost to seal and mine, um, increase retrieval speeds, all of that, right? So it's really hard to draw conclusions from a static implementation. You have to kind of project some of these improvements that are already been, you know, coded up and, and waiting to be integrated. Got it. That makes sense. And I guess just playing devil's advocate from like a cost perspective, if I'm a large storage provider, and let's say I don't have like a lot of latent storage, let's say I want to build out a data center and add a lot of capacity to the Filecoin's network, I have to front those capex and opex costs, and then I have to buy, uh, you know, Filecoin obviously as my stake. Are are is there any pushback in the community on kind of waiting for those rewards to be a long time? I know that there was an FIP recently that made it so you know some portion of the rewards are released a lot sooner. Uh, what was the dynamic there? Because it does make sense to get some rewards sooner just to cover costs. Yeah. So um, there, there was there was you know we had actually planned that. FIP uh, about a month before launch. So it was just kind of working its way through testing and then released. So although it was released shortly after launch, it it had already been planned uh, a long time ago. And so, yeah, it makes sense for some of those rewards to to become vested. And we thought, you know, the community thought 25% was the right amount. But that said, it's really important that we're only attracting 
stakeholders and miners that are long-term oriented, right? And so if you if you created a copy of Filecoin and said, hey, there's no collateral requirements, you get all your rewards vested immediately, it would incent tremendously different behavior. People would just show up and mine for three days, then leave. And then as a client, which is really the most important stakeholder in this network, you won't have the reliability of storage that you need to trust the network, right? And so it's much, much more important for the community and the long-term prospects of Filecoin having a transformative effect on the cloud storage industry and the world if folks are long-term oriented. And so that's why a lot of those mechanisms are in place. And if a miner or any stakeholder, you know, doesn't like that and, and wants to be able to get, you know, all of their rewards and then mine and leave, then, you know, it might not be the, the Filecoin may not be the appropriate network for them to participate in. And that's totally fine. Oh, that's interesting, guys. I, I like the uh, I like how you guys are not only rewarding dynamically with two different models, but how the pledge is also quite dynamic as well. It's pretty interesting. And just some higher level questions for you guys, just on the industry and the token itself. I mean, you guys started with a baseline. I think it's it's not exabytes, right? It's it's EIBs. Is that Ebibytes. So it's uh, Ebibytes. Okay. Slightly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> slightly different. So if you guys start with like I think it's around two or three of those. In year one, it grows by I think 200% a year. That's that baseline storage and ZX. I know you're going to correct me. It's not just the storage amount, but you know it, it takes quite a while to get to the level where you guys are a large percentage of global storage, right? Like it seems like it would take a decade or so to be 10 or 15% of global storage. Do you think that that's too long, or do you think that that's aligns the network where you can you know attract enough storage providers over a set amount of time? So I think there are a few threats here. I think one is not just about the supply, but also about the demand too. And what is the storage demand on Filecoin? And I think that's something that the community should collectively work towards too. And at the same time, like when sometimes when we say community decide, people think we are joking or like people think we don't have a plan, but it really is like if there's enough voices in the community that feel like this is, we should be more ambitious, it's way too, fa- way, too, uh, way too low, feel free to file a FIP. And then like we can discuss and we say, what are the costs and benefits? And maybe you can you can uh, change Falcon protocol for the better. And I think that's kind of active participate participation that we want to see in the network. That's awesome, guys. Yeah, I like to hear that. And I guess just other you know random questions on the token. It's not just used for pledges by storage miners. It's also used to pay costs to the network itself. What are the other use cases for the token beyond just pledging and, and beyond the reward scheme we kind of discussed? Right. So there's also when a client wants to use wants to use the storage uh, on on Filecoin, they will um, they will also they, they will may require a miner to put some co- uh, additional collateral, or they have to pay for the storage in Filecoin. And so that storage demand, um, the demand for storage on Filecoin is another um, uh, it's another main usage of Filecoin that we have not been seeing very strongly today, but it's going to pick up as time goes on. And then I think. We did. Uh, we mentioned that just now, which is like all all transactions on the Filecoin network involve some kind of burning to compensate for the computation and the resources of the network. That's awesome, guys. I I really like that. And just on pricing, I know there's a lot of websites online where we could compare Filecoin's pricing to AWS. How are you guys crushing AWS's costs? Like you guys are way cheaper to use, but you know you're brand new. Amazon has spent tens of billions of dollars kind of optimizing cloud storage data centers. How are you beating them on price? Yeah, so uh, I'll kick things off here. So, you know, I think there's various different prices and these things will fluctuate and and probably go down over time. But, 
you know, I think I've seen uh, some miners and the average miners kind of give a 20, a, a, a cost that is 20 times lower than Amazon Web Services or something like that for store Falcon, which is very impressive, right? And the reason for that is, you know, initially, you know, the block award is subsidizing some of that storage. So for a miner to, you know, um, attract a client deal, they they may not need that much money from that miner itself because the block awards is subsidizing it, right? And then over time, you know, as the block reward goes down over 20 years, so we have lots of time, uh, the uh, functionality, the reliability, the ecosystem of services will start to increase. And so folks will pay more and more for that over time, right? Now, one mechanism that's really important that we haven't discussed yet, Tom, is, is this concept of Filecoin Plus or verified clients, right? And so that ensures that if, uh, you know, pick your favorite data provider, let's say it's the Internet Archive or something like that, if they go through a verification process by, by the community and become a verified client, then they have a cap you know, to put on, let's say, 10 petabytes of storage onto the network. And if miners choose to store that data, which is verified to be valuable and real and all of that, they will get a 10 times block award than some other miner that is just storing whatever, like, let's say nothing, right? And so that creates this huge incentive for miners to do two things. One is store verified clients and real, real data and make this network incredibly useful. And two is to go recruit as many valuable data sets to become verified because there'll be a shortage of those and not all miners will be able to store them, right? And so again, uh, you know, just like the baseline rewards certain incentives like growth and total capacity, this mechanism is super powerful in rewarding, hey, let's store the world's most valuable data sets and make sure that the storage is being used for the best use case possible. That's that's really cool. So how do you how do you denote what makes a cut for a Filecoin Plus data set? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can uh, go into more details. Um, but I want to just double down on the previous topic just um, a little mm -hmm. bit more. So like of course how much storage really costs is really a negotiation between like clients and and like miners just and like Colin said, Falcon Plus create very strong incentive for miners to like actually bring in demand into the network. And we saw miners offering free storage with fast retrieval in Europe, like thanks to these incentives. And I also want to point out that it's not really just competing with AWS. It's also not really just competing with on cost, right? Like it's it's about new experience. It's about like a different array of product and services that will emerge on Falcon. And we enable miners to become like uh, providers of cloud storage that rival traditional services, and I think and that and software will get optimized every day. Hardware get optimized every day, and then like people are making use of like um, idle resources around the world in like industry grade data centers provide very reliable and useful storage because otherwise the protocol incentive will not work in their favor, and then we can have other people in home computer that serve that data to clients. Yeah, and so think of it like Airbnb. You don't always use Airbnb because it's cheaper than a hotel, right? There are different experiences, different customizations that a, a hotel chain that has the same hotel room in 50, 50 cities may not have. And so for, for Filecoin, 
It could be a tier one, two, three data center. It could have really high bandwidth or really you know, cheap storage. It could be HIPAA compliant. It could be in the US or it could be in Africa or it could be in, in Asia. And so when you think of Filecoin as competing with the existing cloud storage providers that are more or less uniform, it's not just on cost, it's all on a whole bunch of different variables that can be exposed, right? So sorry to cut you off, ZX. Uh, yeah, okay, go that's, perfect. that's perfect. That's <laughs> perfect. And I think now we can dive into Falcon Plus, which I think is super exciting. So the question is, how does Falcon Plus really figure out what, uh, which clients to to uh, or which um, clients to verify and so on? So I think um, without going too much into the details, the idea here is we have a network of notaries. Uh, notaries are people with uh, people organization reputation. They are not exactly verifying the data itself. They're endorsing like use cases and clients who might be um, who say um, there's a set of like frameworks and processes to make sure that um, which the community decide what the process should be uh, in reflective of the principles of Falcon Plus, which is like decentralization, making Falcon useful, and being compliant among a series of things. And and this network of notaries will go around and let's say the client, they will have some kind of allocation plan of how they plan to allocate um, this idea of a data cap to clients and client can apply to them, sometimes with the help of miners. And, and once they get notarized, they now have this uh, capacity to be deployed and experience what, what using Filecoin network looks like. And, and I think that is a very strong, a very strong incentive to make Filecoin uh, useful. Yeah, no, attracting useful data usage—that's that's incredible. And I guess my one not nitpick question is like that 10x reward multiplier—is that does that come from simple or does that come from the baseline reward? And I guess that's just the same bucket, right? Like other miners right. just get less. Right. So just now when we talk about like um, the share of the reward that you're getting as a storage operator, you're basically get getting a 10x um, 10x in terms of that share. But it still depends yeah, so, on like, yeah, go ahead. So it, you know, it, it doesn't change the total amount of rewards, simple plus baseline that gets generated for the network, but it does change your share, proportionate share of that if you're by, by a factor of 10x. So how it gets allocated to miners is the, is the variable there. Got it. Okay, awesome. Guys, we covered a lot today. We covered all the minting model, the storage miners, pledges, use case for the Filecoin token, some obscure questions. I'm wondering if there's anything we missed here. Um, I guess, is there anything about the token that you guys maybe, you know, start, you guys have been building for the last couple of years, now that it's live, is there any interaction, use case, obscure thing about the token or the econ that you might not have thought about when you guys were building that's now kind of apparent? I mean, the community is coming up with so many different use cases and so many different ideas, right? Like the the ecosystem development uh, that we talked about in our last podcast is just surprises me every day. There are over 100 active organizations building over 250 new projects entering through hackathons and accelerators. Uh, we're launching, Tachyon is finishing up its cohort. Longcash is launching theirs in Asia in, in February uh, for their accelerator programs. And we've seen everything from large archival use cases to Web3 use cases to um, Dropbox style use cases to video to DeFi to um, a whole bunch of different kind of things in, in the realm. So developers are getting really creative and we want to support those developers in any way possible to get even more creative. I think another thing that surprised me at least is how much Filecoin is actually being burned on a daily basis because there's so much demand to onboard storage 
onto the network. And so that obviously leads to really positive long-term effects for all token holders, all miners, all, all participants. And that surprised me, you know, on how much is being burned on a daily basis um, as well. So that's maybe another surprise so far. Yeah, no, it's awesome, Carl. And a couple of quick questions there before we close out. What ex- how much exactly is burned? I, I missed that earlier. It, it really depends. So, um, you know, uh, we can probably find some averages over the last 30 mm-hmm. days, but it really fluctuates on a daily basis depending on how much people want to onboard at any given time. Uh, we've seen some peak days where 100,000 Filecoin gets burned on, uh, for one day, but that that seems like outside the bounds of normal. Um, and so, you know, it's it's more of a, you can think of it like gas fees, like a market. Got it. So just the just the fees to use the network are burnt. It's not obviously not the pledge or the collateral or anything like that. Yeah, just the usage of the network. But um, if storage is not reliable, then the collateral could be burned as well. Got it. Okay, that's pre- that's pretty interesting. And the last thing I wanted to hit on with you guys is your token allocation is kind of interesting because you guys have fifty five percent of your tokens for mining rewards. 15% for reserves, that's 70% going to the storage miners. And you guys started building Filecoin in 2017. Meanwhile, projects only in the last three or six months are now realizing that a majority of their tokens has to go to the community to incentivize good behavior. Meanwhile, you guys had a majority of this amount to help grow your network from years ago. How did you decide that? Because it seemed pretty you know, revolutionary to me looking at it, considering you guys did this so long ago. Totally. And you got to give credit to Juan on this one. He really thought, you know, thought very deeply into what, what's going to make Filecoin successful for the future. And it's really about aligning incentives to make sure that storage is plentiful and well-priced and very reliable. And so, you know, that's, that's you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Juan to kind of have the foresight to say, hey, listen, miners are going to drive the fundamental you know infrastructure for this particular protocol and so we need to incent them in the right ways and and i think it breaks down in, in a good way well 15% of the storage of the 55% of the uh, allocation is for storage miners not all of that is automatic obviously you have to perform with all the baseline things that we talked about the 15% reserve there's going to be a whole bunch of different ways that we haven't even thought of on how that can be used and the community will make proposals and then that'll be unlocked later when those proposals have a huge impact on the network right and so um you know it it really makes sure that the infrastructure is placed to make sure that the network can be super dynamic in the future that's awesome, guys. Yeah, no, I, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. I find the token econ super interesting. I'm definitely going to prepare something. I, I think there's a lot there on just you know the connect between the new circulating supply and how much is actually uh, pledged and if that links up. There's a lot to explore here. So, guys, I really appreciate your time, Colin and CX. It's been a great deep dive and second episode into your token econ. Awesome. Can't wait for the next one, Tom. Really appreciate it. Yep, same here. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode out soon.